been around for a while, but we're really seeing it where there's an intersection between how humans work and how AI works. And it's a different landscape for people to people to navigate. And it sets different expectations on our workforce and in how we need to behave as as leaders. Welcome to the Inspire Podcast, where we examine what it takes to intentionally inspire. I'm your host, Bart Agnell, President and CEO of The Humphrey Group. And if you've ever asked yourself, how can you develop an authentic leadership presence? Or how can you tell stories that have people hanging off every word? Well, then this podcast is for you. And it's not just for executives. This is a podcast for anyone who wants to influence and inspire others in their work, but also in their life. My guest on today's episode of the Inspire Podcast is Anya Wood. Anya is the Humphrey Group's relatively new vice president of product. You joined us the time of this publication, if I'm doing the time travel, I think it'll be about six months ago. So welcome to the Inspire Podcast. Thank you, Bert. I'm thrilled to be here. Yeah, thrilled to have you on and, and thrilled with what you've been doing in the company since you've joined. You joined us, and for those listening, joined us at a time where the Humphrey Group and learning and development has undergone, I would say, seismic shifts. I mean, I've been in this business for over two decades. You've been in the business for quite a bit of time as well. And I would say, in my experience, you know, I started in 2001, and for kind of 15 years, it was pretty much the same. It was sage on the stage. Right. You know, classroom training, you know, books that, that people took and would read. And in the last five years in particular, I think COVID's accelerated that, we've seen a radical transformation of how people learn. This podcast is an example of that. It's one of many where people can consume and get, get learning. We have online education, like LinkedIn Learning and Coursera. We have digital coaching. We have virtual learning. And of course, COVID changed everything, moving away from the classroom towards a virtual or digital environment. And now, just when we thought things were maybe returning to some sort of stasis, we have the arrival of AI. So for anyone who designs and delivers learning or consumes it, this is a period of great flux. And we at the Humphrey Group have, have made tremendous strides in the last three years to become a digital learning company. And so you join us at a time where you know we're ready to kind of examine what's next. And so I'm really excited to have you on the pod to talk about you know the research that, that you have been overseeing on our team and also your experience. And for those listening, like what's going on in learning now? What does it mean for you as a leader listening? And you know, what do you need to be thinking about? So thanks for joining for the conversation. It's my pleasure. There's so much that's changing right now. When I think about technology and as you mentioned, AI, it's completely shaping um, a different world in how we approach learning and development. Do you think when you look at that different world, uh, if, and thinking about people listening to the pod who are listening because they want to be more effective leaders, more more effectively able to inspire. Is this a time to be scared, to be excited? Like how should they think and feel about what leadership is gonna look like going forward? I think it's a time to be excited. It's a time where technology is merging with people and how we as humans do things. And it's going to exponentially change how we communicate and how we work with others. And uh, so for me, it's a really inspiring, great time. And, and so before we get into like the realities today that people experience, let's just take a step back and talk a bit about your background. Like what led you to the Humphrey Group and in that kind of old quainter world I described? 
Lots led me to the Humphrey Group. You know, I've been in learning and development my entire career. And I remember another big change. I was in learning and development even before we had learning management systems. <laughs> and, uh, you know, at the very beginning, helping to bring those in. And now I look many years later and see that we're at the beginning of, the, of a cusp of another change. Certainly everything is virtual reality. But now as we move into uh, a digital era and everything looking at we'll talk a little bit about ai and how that's influencing things as well do you think it's better now for learners yeah absolutely. And how so? i think it's better because things are at your fingertips you don't need to pull yourself away from what you're doing and physically go somewhere not only can you experience learning online you can experience it um in person and then have sustainment activities that are available to you online uh we'll get into it but i mean AI is opening up opportunities for you to get immediate feedback or immediate coaching or help you reshape what you might be saying or how you might be communicating with your employees. Yeah, and I think you're right. It is, it is better. I mean, I think about first what you point to access to information. I mean, I had I have the memories, you know, 15 years ago, I'd go meet with an executive about what we did. And I'd say, it's leadership and communication. They'd say, oh my goodness, like, what witchcraft is this? This is so exciting. Like people had, and now it's like, oh yeah, I know I want leadership communication training. You guys have a great reputation. And, and so the level of knowledge, you know, and that level of access that people have to information is amazing. And I think the second thing you, you allude to is, you know, it used to be you had to leave the, leave your office, you had to go into a conference you know, center, you had to take training away. And it was, and now you can be learning all the time. You know, there's learning everywhere and it's sustainable learning. Exactly. And the other piece that I'll add about that is just the ability to customize and personalize. And you can do that in class and you can do that with uh, with coaching, but you can also do that in those sustainment activities when people are trying to practice things after the fact. Right. It's You can pull the information you want on demand whenever you want right. it, and it can be customized based on how well you do with something. So it is a, It is a great time for learning. I think it can also be for leaders, I mean, you know, this is my fifth season of the pod. You're, you'll be one of the last episodes of season five. Um, maybe you'll be the one that pushes us over 100,000 listens. Ah, there you go. I there hope so. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, this the theme I really think of the last couple of years is just the fundamental change in what leaders are, what is expected of leaders mm -hmm. and changes in how they're expected to communicate. It's just been quite tumultuous and exciting at the same time. So, let, let's shift to that topic because, you know, you, you, I know when preparing for this pod, we talked about people listening, maybe experiencing all sorts of, call them forces, trends that are reshaping in exciting and sometimes scary ways, the expectations and opportunities for them as a leader. So what, what would be, you know, let's just go through some of them. The first one you talked about is the nature of work the nature is becoming more human. Yeah, it's T becoming more human-centered. Mm -hmm. And what employees are expecting is that an employer looks at you as a whole person. Mm -hmm. So it's looking not only at your ability to do your job, but at your mental health, uh, looking at things like DEI. Mm -hmm. They expect people to have social awareness and to incorporate that into how they, they treat you and how they operate as an organization. So that's one of the one of the very first ones, and that's a strong expectation from an employee. In, in contrast, that like fifteen years ago, like what, like in practice, like can you give me an example? Someone you know, you've been in, as you said, you've been in the leadership development space for a while. 
How would you talk to someone 15 years ago about the expectations of them from their company versus today? Yeah, I would say it's a very company, it used to be very company based. It's still, I mean, obviously employees still need to, you know, have the interest of the organization mm-hmm. and the company in mind, but it was hierarchical. It was like, you do as I say, mm-hmm. I don't care if you're sick, I still want you to do right. your job. And there certainly wasn't a focus on uh, the person and their well-being in the way that there is now and them as a whole person. It was, you came to work, you did your job, and there wa- there wasn't any consideration to those pieces that were around you, whether it was in the space of DEI, whether it was in the space of mental health or even physical wellness and, and health. And so that's a real point of attention now. Yeah, I, I remember that. It was very much like you're paid to do your job and you'll do it. And that's really all we care about. Can you produce or not? And I think it's, you know, COVID to me really shifted that, right? Where the voice of the employee became much more profound and organizations started to ref- to recognize the need, particularly with the mental health side, as well as equity inclusion, to be more thoughtful. Absolutely. Um, how do you think for, for managers, how does that show up, this humanized this human-centric work workplace is it both in terms of what they can hope for and in terms of demands being placed on them. Well, in in let's start with the demands. The demands are awareness, education, uh, taking time and effort to understand the environment and put actions behind their words. So if they say they're going to do something, they actually do it and give back not only to the employee, but give back to the community, uh, approaching things in that more holistic way. Like what's the opportunity for them? Uh, The opportunity is to be more inclusive. You have a much richer environment when you you have a large variety of people that you're working Mm -hmm. with. They can add a lot to to your offerings, to the way that you conduct your conduct your business. It's like a richer, more authentic experience both ways. (laughs) A richer, more authentic experience for an organization, for the people that partake in that organization, the people you're you're serving, and just hopefully an overall happier work environment for the people. So let's look at a second trend that I think comes out of that, which is the communication demands on leaders. Because one thing I've found in my career and working with people in communication is every year the demands have increased. I mean, I remember when I started, I was a speechwriter. And, you know, the only communication that, first of all, is only the executives who had to communicate. And second of all, is in only in formal situations, you know, town halls, quarterly presentations, and really everything else was, was you know, you kind of just did your work. Today, the demands just seem to have accelerated. So talk a bit about where the demands are at today. Yeah, that's a really good point. I would say I agree with you that communication used to be very divided, either executives or boards or maybe even just a single department. But what I, the trend that I'm seeing now is that employees and organizations are more often than not communicating to the whole audience at at once. So the tone of the messaging... Give me an example. Who? um, What would that mean? That would mean if there is an event or a change, it's not communicated at the executive level and trickled down department by department where you have the risk of a message changing or a risk of it being interpreted differently between departments. So it's more of a more of a transparent messaging. I as a leader am sharing everything with the audience openly and 
transparently so everybody's getting exactly the same message and they're hearing it at the same time. And with that is a, uh, a style change in delivering those messages. In what way? Uh, I would say video-based. So no more just sending out an email. We all know how difficult email is to interpret. People can read the wrong things into it. But if you're listening to something, somebody speak and the emotion and the excitement that they share in their messaging, so I'm seeing a strong trend towards you know, video communication, if not live communication, but that's not always possible. And then tied to that is the need to ensure that it's mobile ready so people can access it whenever they want to and have a recording and come back to it. So the expectations from employee populations are for more direct, more direct access almost? Direct to, to access, leaders. yeah. And transparent communication. Transparent, right. So in, they don't want the, the stilted messaging. Or the broken messaging, the broken telephone. And, right. you know, I think I th I think there used to be a lot of that. And yeah. people are pushing back and want to, it's part of creating a healthy work environment to ensure that everybody has access to the same information and is hearing the same message. So if they're getting, if employees are saying, all right, let's say, let's say you're in a big company, you know, tens of thousands of employees, you're getting from your C-suite that kind of direct, transparent communication delivered to you on mobile, delivered to you in video, you're able to feel that you're connected to them. What are the evolving expectations of, say, your direct manager? Let's say you're at a senior manager level, so you report to a director. What do you think the demands or expectations of those individuals are now that the C-suite is expected to communicate to the mass? I'd say it's along the same lines in the sense that... So it doesn't absolve them. <laughs> no, it doesn't yeah. absolve them. In, in fact, it holds them more accountable to, I don't want to say, I guess I'll say towing the company line, mm -hmm. but I, I have worked in or seen environments where there was almost competition between departments because the crux of the message was hidden hmm. and interpreted differently by each department. So it means that they are held more accountable to delivering the same message across the organization. And it also requires that they're equally as transparent with their with their right. the people that report up to them. So if I'm sitting in the organization at that C director level, you know, not only do I have to be aware of what the CSP is saying, because I'm getting and, and I want to, but the demands on me are actually growing. Like I'm going to have to align with that, but I'm going to have to do it authentically. I'm going to have to do it in this human centric way. Like it's a lot of stress. And, you know, a lot of our clients talk about that, that the pressure and the burden of communication has never been greater, even as the challenges, you know, because we have to be considerate now, rightly so, of the challenges of people's lives and, and you know, have grown. So it's it's a heavy burden now to be in leadership from a communication standpoint. Yeah, it really is. I, I couldn't agree more. Yeah. yeah, now I think the payoff, to your point, is great, right? Mm -hmm. You can have this authentic connection. You can really create uh, a workplace that people feel connected to. But I think, yeah, it is it is tough. And that's a nice lead into third thing, which is, okay, you're being expected to communicate. Like your employees are looking for that communication. They want it from the top. They want it human-centric. They want it from you. and But they also want to give it back. <laughs> and we've seen this. I'll just share some, some examples. You know, I've had a number of executives on this podcast talking about return to office. And that's just been a very contentious topic. And one of the fascinating things I've observed in working and coaching executives is that it used to be there was, I would call a decorum. And, you know, an executive would do a town hall, there'd be some Q&A, it would be politely worded, you know. And now with the 
for example, the Slido tool or the ability to write things in, there's anonymous Q&A. People are quite um, vocal, vocal, right? <laughs> yes, at best or aggressive. Uh, and the kind of decorum has has fallen away. And yet, you know, some executives have said, well, we've tried going away from anonymous and then people are furious at that. So there, there does seem to be a sea change where there is a desire almost to have what I might call a 360 a feedback loop constantly going on. Can you can you comment? Like, is that is that a trend you're seeing and that people should be aware of? Yeah, I am seeing that. I'm seeing a trend towards, as you just described, an an openness or a willingness for employees to want to be able to share what they're authentically feeling. It goes yeah. back to that human centered piece. And also this concept that's become such a hot topic of psychological safety, right? Right. Where people want to feel that they can do that without repercussions. That's right. And then uh, on on the flip side, what I'm observing in communication and in the way people carry themselves in their in their roles is a desire for feedback on a regular mm-hmm. basis. So whether it's through communication or in the work that they're doing, just finding ways to incorporate it into the day-to-day flow for them. Mm. So we'll just add that to the demands for yeah. leaders that you have to not only be prepared to provide regular feedback, but you almost have to be ready to receive it on a regular basis. Ready right? to receive it. And it's not, it's no longer just these annual performance reviews or monthly touch points. People want, they don't want to be caught off guard to start with. And they, and I think leaders need to be comfortable giving feedback in the moment more so than they they may have had to right. in, in the past. So we've talked about these these trends that are all I'd say together have the possibility of creating you know a more authentic relationship with work a more uh, inclusive environment, but also place a huge cognitive and emotional load on leaders. Now let's turn to AI because it's kind of the final trend. It's a bit different than these other trends, but it's there's no question it's reshaping the demands and the tools for leaders. So how, from a communication standpoint, how is AI, what are you seeing in the beginnings of how AI is reshaping communication in the workplace? So exciting and very interesting. And you're giving a talk on say. this, aren't you? <laughs> I am in November. Yeah. yeah. So at, what's, I, what's your topic? I know you, you were selected to speak on this. Thank you. It's at uh, in the uh, I4PL, the Institute for Performance and Learning, and it's on the use of chat GPT. And if co-pilots out, we'll talk a little bit about that, but it's not publicly available yet. What I'm, what I'm seeing with uh, technology and AI in particular in communication is just, you know, you have chat box that will interact with customer service. You've got it transcribing audio meetings into text. And it's just the beginning. It's been around for a while, but we're really seeing it where there's an intersection between how humans work and how AI works. And it's a different landscape for people to people to navigate. And it sets different expectations on our workforce and in how we need to behave as as leaders. Do you think it's affecting or changing how leaders communicate? Like are leaders using this right now in a way? I hope so. I, I mean, when you think about ChatGPT, if you've got a difficult topic that you want to bring up with 
whomever, you can use a tool like that to draft your first, your starting point. It doesn't mean it's going it, to, from my experience, it's never going to be your end product, but it gives you insight and a great starting point, saves you, saves you right. time. Yeah, there's a real primary. I mean, I've had it try to draft blogs for me and, you know, look, like you said, it's never perfect, but it begins to, it's a thought primer. And I think, you know, you're right that like, it's going to be a tool to enhance our ability to communicate. I know we'll, we'll talk more about that, but I think, you know, leaders do need to be aware of the rise of AI and view it as a great opportunity because it's here Yeah, and it can accelerate. We, when we talk about this growing load, these growing demands and the growing opportunity, I think, you know, we at the Humphrey Group are certainly believers that this AI can be a tool it can to be. capitalize on. Something that I find really interesting is the ability for AI to provide immediate feedback. So mm-hmm. even these tools, if you're sitting, uh, if you're in a meeting, let's say it's virtual, you can have it running in the background right. where it's analyzing how you speak. It's analyzing your pauses, analyzing whether you drone on right. too much. And, you know, you can go back and review that later or you can look at it live in the moment and it can help shape your shape your delivery. Yeah, it's tremendously exciting. And, you know, like any sport coaching, you know, more data, more tools are only going to enhance the value of working with someone live, but it can really allow you to to get that feedback every day, Mm -hmm. you know, and build the right muscle uh, and skill over time. So yeah, we're, we're excited about it. So, so let's, let's shift. So we've talked about, you know, now that we've scared everyone, but also got them excited about the opportunity, (laughs) you know, I think one of the things that the Humphrey group that people turn to the Humphrey group for is really all right, what do you do? You know, how how are we advising and coaching leaders in this time to lead, inspire in the face of growing demands? I mean, I think it is, you know, the last couple of years have been challenging for leaders, flattening organizations, greater demands, these new imperatives. And, you know, there are ways to embrace the challenge, right? So, what would be, you know, the first thing that we talked about was like just that embracing it. Like what, what's your advice there? What's the starting point from a mindset standpoint for people listening? So this is a great opportunity for you to be an authentic leader. So for and people that to mean? embrace that. Because um, that sounds like, I mean, it sounds are like we God, always yeah, authentic? Exactly. But what, so what is it? Have, do you think people have always been able to be authentic leaders? No, I think people would have their themselves and then they would have how they come to work and how they feel they need to treat their employees or the the people around them because it was corporate. You could be less yourself. You may have shared less about your, your personal life. And I'm not saying that people need to dive into the details of, of their outside of work life, but it's bringing more of your whole whole self to environment. And it's not only bringing more of your whole self, but being open and aware that people are more than a a cog in the wheel. Right. They have lives, they have things that are good that are happening for them and things that are struggles or challenges. And it's just looking, looking at things holistically and having that approach. So it it is, I think that's the story. I I like that. It is an opportunity to be, to have not only authentic you know, approach to how you show up, but authentic, more authentic relationships with people. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and I think you're right. I think there's been a real, the market change in organizations, you know, when you hear phrases like bring your full self to work from an equity inclusion standpoint and a recognition that you know, previously, you know, heather, you know, heteronormative views of leadership are not inclusive. There's a broader understanding that when we can allow people to be themselves in a way that's aligned with what we're trying to achieve as a company, Everyone is more, 
you know, engage. They bring more of themselves to work and then enjoy their work more. And in turn, it, it serves both both parties. Okay, so you're starting with this mindset. Embrace it. It's an opportunity to be engaged and authentic. The, the next point, so what next? What would you next say to someone? I would say that EQ matters as much as IQ, and it will shape how you show up. Okay, and so, you know, we're looking at this through that lens of communication. Talk to me a bit about that. Like, what does that mean that your EQ shapes how you communicate, how you show up? You're more emotionally intelligent. You're thinking about your employees um, as a human, like we talked about at the beginning, a human-centric. You're thinking about them as a person. And, you know, the way that you communicate and that you lead is centered in that awareness, that they're more than just an individual that's coming in to do a very specific set of tasks right. for you. So let, let me give you a specific example that you can help me. So let's imagine you're, you know, a VP, right? And you have um, a director who's, you know, struggling and you know they're having challenges in their personal life because they authentically share that with you and you care about them. And yet they're not meeting the performance goals of the business. How do you balance that? How do you how do you approach that situation with EQ while also having to deal with the performance challenge? Yeah, I mean, it, it can be challenging, but I mean, I think it's also having an authentic conversation back with, with the individual. You can acknowledge that, you know, if they're having challenges in their in their personal life, it's just a the goal is to strike a balance, to have that awareness, um, but to also call out that there's certain things that need to still need to be done from an employee perspective, employer-employee perspective, and you know strive to find that right balance. Is there additional support you can provide? But that can't last. That can't last forever. So it's really just having that authentic conversation back. Yeah, and I think that's kind of what's changed is that it used to be you're expected to do this work, do it, yeah, it, or you're fired. <laughs> exactly. It used to be very directive and not paying attention to the person as a whole person. Right. So it's more awareness and more openness to having those conversations. Yeah, and you know, I think that's, it is in our work, I know we, we find, and this is where the demands for people listening are, are high because it requires that judgment. Mm-hmm. How do you balance that care with people, with the demands of the job, with the expectations of staff, right? We talked about, you know, it's not only you want to create a more authentic relationship, your staff and your employees are looking for more from you. Yeah, and that are. can be very challenging for people. And I think that's one of the reasons why people are feeling and the leadership role in leadership communication, that the, the demands are higher than before. Is there a way out of that? Or is it just that's why you have to develop your EQ. <laughs> I think that's why you have to develop your EQ, to be to be honest. And I don't think it's going to go away. I think it's healthier for a work environment. We'd gone too far in being directive. I think right. we were directive for a very long time. We don't want to go the opposite end right. where, y- you know, we, you we, have, we have no structure to what uh, is expected by, by an organization. But it's striking that right balance. And EQ helps with that. So I'm sure EQ is going to help with, you know, let's, delve into that feedback piece mm-hmm. you know there's how how much okay so talk a bit about we'll talk about receiving feedback in a moment because i'm really interested in your advice to leaders but let's start with giving because that in some ways seems sim- similar like you talked about more frequent micro feedback like 
what are people looking for right now from leaders? I think and that what should they do? Yeah, that's a really good question, Bert. I think that my sense is that we're not quite there to incorporate feedback in every interaction, right. which would be lovely if we were, if people were open to that. So I think there's still a little bit of resistance to people in in hearing feedback. Um, but our job as leaders is to make it normal. And, and we have a course on this, right? Yeah, exactly. So, what do, so for those who haven't taken this course, what do we teach? Inspiring feedback. Yeah, yeah our inspiring t feedback helps with all of those things. It's really just trying to make feedback, uh, first of all, to deliver it well. But the goal is to normalize it so people can be open. If they hear it often and they know it's not meant to be punitive, mm -hmm. then it becomes a normal part of growth and development. Right. And it allows you to be agile and to change how you're doing because you're in a supportive environment. So it ties back a little bit to being um, an emotionally intelligent leader because you're providing that feedback in the moment but presenting it in a way that supports the employee. They need to hear that. Uh, I just don't think we're quite at the stage where people hear it often enough that they think it's normal. And, right. and we will grow to that over time. Yeah, that frequency is something we know employees always say they want more of. <laughs> frequency, but in a non in a non punitive way. And we need to be great as leaders as not turning it uh turning it too far in, in the punitive way. And now they're a part of that course. I know we teach us how to receive feedback. And one of the things you've alluded to when we were talking about trends earlier is that leaders now need to be ready to receive feedback. And let's face it, it's not always delivered in a constructive way from employees. You know, I remember, you know, one, one executive I was working with who, you know, mandated, I mean, the company had mandated a return to the office a couple days a week. This was, you know, maybe 2020 or 2021 or 2022. And I remember someone saying, you know, how dare you do this? You know, we delivered record profits for you. This is an absolute insult to us. <laughs> yeah, so it wasn't exactly constructive feedback. There was a lot of emotion and laden, you know, words in there. And, and I think that's, that tone in some cases continues because in some ways it was enabled or, or permitted during mm -hmm. a very emotionally difficult time for many. How should leaders like receive feedback today or not. <laughs> well, I, I'd say they should receive feedback. It's really important for everybody to, to grow and develop, and, and feedback's a crucial part of that. The first thing that I would say in response to that is to listen and be quiet and not be reactive and understand that it's also hard, especially for an employee, to provide feedback to a, to a leader. So having that openness to, to listen and receive it not be reactive, and that's key. Yeah. I would also say to use it as a reflective moment because you're not, as a leader, it's it's a new landscape. Leaders yeah. have always been expected to give feedback and you know, have had opportunities to give feedback to employees. Employees giving feedback to their leaders. It's new. It's very new. And it might not come out right. It used to just be in the guise of a 360, for example, very controlled Which process. was anonymous. Yeah. And now nowadays it's maybe anonymous, but done in a public forum, like you were saying during town halls. Or it'll be in one-on-ones. People, I've, some of my clients, the stuff they say their their employees tell them, I'm like, oh my goodness. You know, I feel, I feel like I'm a generation before i thought my goodness i never would have said no, that no <laughs> exactly but uh usually there's a grain <laughs> if you yeah. even as a leader if you don't feel that it's 
accurate, take it as a reflective moment. So, so Anya, just to kind of put Catherine, because obviously, you know, we're, we are in this new world where leaders are expected to be emotionally intelligent. The feedback, as you said, now comes both ways. But I think it's also, I, I think I'll just jump in and add, and as I say to some of my clients, look, in the end though, this isn't a friendship. <laughs> you know, we are in a professional context and just as your organization has expectations of you as a leader, so too should you have expectations. And there are limits to what we can do for people. <laughs> right. And so I think, you know, one of the things I, I counsel a client on, you know, I was working with a SVP in the a bank the other day and I said, look, you know, you can hear it, but that doesn't mean, A, you can do anything about it. Or B, should, <laughs> you know, and I think that's the other thing is just setting the reality too. And sometimes that's, you know, back to the authenticity that you were talking about earlier. I think that's, that's an important piece for leaders. Yeah, I agree. Well. It's still a uh, professional environment. It's still an employee, employer relationship. That relationship has changed. We're expected yeah. as leaders to be open and listening and authentic, um, but we want to maintain some boundaries yeah. as well. So a lot, uh, a lot of things to think about for leaders, but there are some, some tools. I know some are just coming. We've talked about the, we're at the very beginnings of the AI revolution. You know, everyone's wondering, you know, what's coming? How will this reshape communication? I mean, we've talked already about, you know, tools like ChatGPT allowing us to create draft content, mm -hmm. uh, allowing us, you know, I, my parents had their 50th wedding anniversary and I, I had it drafted. I tried to have it drafted an intro just for fun and it was it was supremely certain and completely wrong about some of the things that they had done but it was fun you know to see and, and in other cases it you know the tools are tremendously compelling and look we know that they're only going to improve so Anya demands have grown you know yes it's an opportunity but look it's an opportunity with a lot of demands right be emotionally intelligent provide regular feedback know who you are listen set, you know take feedback it's a lot and communicate much more frequently <laughs> It's a lot. AI, how, what are some tools out there right now that can help? Great question. Um, well, the first one that comes to mind for me is PowerPoint Rehearse. Okay, for those who don't know it, what is this? PowerPoint Rehearse is an AI-driven tool that's embedded in PowerPoint 360 where you can walk through your presentation, you turn on, you click on Rehearse, and you re it listens to you present and practice your presentation and immediately provides feedback. Like what kind of feedback would it give it's you? Very, it's very foundational right now, but still extremely useful. Things like, are you pausing? Are you speaking too fast? Are you tripping over your words? Are you repeating words? Are you using um or like? And it provides that feedback and helps to refine what you're saying. If you spend too long on a slide, slide, or you progress too quickly through your slides, it gives you that feedback as well. Amazing. I mean, I think about some of those basic things that we've taught for years. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, to have that ability to get someone who watches you day in and day out. There's also tools, I can't remember the name of the tool right now, that will, with just a couple of sentences, build an entire deck for you. And... Sure, you might need to refine it. Uh, sometimes it throws pictures and images in there as well. So it's a fantastic starting point. Yeah, and then there's, you know, chat GPT, right? You can you could plan it. Yeah, I mean, I've just for fun plugged in, design me a four-part program on storytelling. And it's pretty remarkable, you know, what it, it will is. create. So, so if you were running, for example, let's say you're a director and you're leading a change initiative. If you punched in there, 
help me plan a five-part series on change management. I'll bet it would come up with something it for you. It will. It's fantastic for course outlines, and then you can use it to start to build out individual pieces. Mm-hmm. Now, I mean, the disadvantage is it's not always current, mm-hmm. right? You know, it's not always a accurate. time of a couple of years. Yeah. It's not always accurate. It can often pull all of its information from a single source. So it's not, it's not going to produce the end product, but it's amazing what a starting point it is. Yeah, and, and it, not only is it an amazing starting point, we're only just in the start of its success and growth as a tool. Exactly. And I think we're going to just, it's going to be super exciting. I mean, I think about in my own personal life, I'm, I'm really into cycling. I have a coach, but I also have software that he works with uh, that gives me better and better insights into my fitness and performance every year. Or my son, who's 11, who plays guitar, he has an instructor and then when his instructor is not here, he meets once a week on his lesson, he used Simply Guitar, which trains it. And so, you know, and the amazing thing to me is that this instructor that, who teaches him tells, tells me, you got to get him to be doing his Simply Guitar. So you would think he's threatened by it, but he's not. And I think that's really the same thing for us at the Humphrey Group. You could say, oh, you know, that Microsoft Rehearse would be a threat. Just the opposite. We can't be with our clients every day. We can't be watching them in the multitude of practice sessions that they have. And we've always wondered how do we really sustain and deepen the skills. And so we're tremendously excited about this. And and I know, you know we'll have to have you back on the pod, you know, next year to talk about how this is going to become part of the learning that we do in the next iteration of the Humphrey Group. But yeah, I think, you know, the point I'm taking away is there's a huge number of tools and we can put links to those ones. Yeah, absolutely. We'll put links to them for sure. So look, Anya, we've, we've covered a lot of ground today, you know, and so what I'm taking away from today is first, you know, it's a very exciting time, but it's also a very daunting time for leaders. The demands on them to be more, uh, you know, EQ-centric are there to give and receive feedback, to communicate in alignment with the most senior people have never been higher, but the prize is great. You know, the prize is that you can have these authentic, genuine, human-centric relationships in all that you do. And the good news is, there are, you know, the robots have come to help us all. Yes, exactly. You know, the communication <laughs> demands have grown. Um, but the core things that we at the Humphrey Group do still matter. And there are tools that can help you when we can't be there. So I know uh, this has been a very informative conversation. Uh, uh, and I know there's more to come. So thanks so much for coming on the pod. My pleasure. Thanks, Bart. Hey, I hope you enjoyed my conversation today with Anya Wood, our relatively new vice president of product development. I'm so excited about the things that you heard today, her breadth of expertise and experience in the leadership development space, but also the insight she has in how technology is reshaping the demands on leaders for communication, but also the tools, expanding the, the range of tools that we all have access to, uh, to help us be more inspiring and effective leaders and communicators. So stay tuned for more from Anya. And stay tuned for more from the Inspire podcast. We're almost at the end of season five. I'm very excited. This season has been our most listened to so far, and we're about to break 100,000 listens. So super happy that the podcast resonates with you, our listeners. Next time, I'm joined by Shaman Muhammad Jr. Shaman is the founder of Let's Stop AIDS, and he founded it before he turned 20. And that's how he and I got to know each other. And since then, he's continued to lead that charity while also being the co-founder of Desium, a beauty company, beauty products company that's changed how people buy beauty products. Uh, And it's since 
you know, consult Estee Lauder. So huge success who's walked a non-traditional path me joins me to talk about that path and the lessons for leaders. So see you next time and, and go forth and inspire. <laughs>